0: hello everyone welcome to the shut up and teach podcast i'm your host elijah carbajal as a teacher i know how important it is to stay informed and inspired and that's one reason why i started this podcast on the shut up and teach podcast we have honest conversations and purposeful reflections on all things educational with the goal of inspiring you to take action in your classroom Whether you're a new teacher just starting out or you're a seasoned pro, we've got you covered. If it's educational related, we're going to talk about it. So be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so that you can stay updated when new content is released. Now, it's time to shut up and teach. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to season four, episode one of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. It's Elijah here, a title one reading interventionist and the author of A Place They Love. And today I'm excited because today I'm celebrating my 10th year Of teaching that's right I'm starting my 10th year of teaching this year and I'm so excited because and I know it's cliche but I had no idea everything you know everything that's let you know that I've experienced I had no idea that I would experience all that that it would lead to where I am today Um, honestly if I'm being truthful I wanted to really there were a couple of years my first year my fourth year that I really was like, I think, I'm, I think I might be done. I don't think this is for me anymore, or I don't think this is for me at all. Maybe I wasn't supposed to do this to begin with, but here I am 10 years later. So today, what I'd like to do is take some time to share some of the things that I've learned over the course of 10 years. Because like I said, I've had some rough moments, but I've also had some pretty big successes. So I'm excited for this episode, and I'm just going to kick it off um, with some, some lessons that I've learned along the way. So the first lesson I learned was I had to learn how to stand on my own and take risks. I had to learn how to stand on my own and take risks. What do I mean by that? Well, my first year was, you know, I didn't really try much my first year. I was just really mimicking what I had seen done by my mentor teachers, because that's all I knew. And so I was really, really wasn't taking a big risk. I wasn't trying something innovative um, or anything like that. My first year, I was really just drowning and trying to stay afloat and keep my head above water. So I wasn't really, and, and like I said, learning how to stand on my own kind of meaning like, you know, I know how to run things sort of, I really couldn't stand on my own that first year. I felt like I was falling down all day, every day. And it wasn't until my second year that I realized, hey, I've actually learned some things. You know, I, I, I have learned a few tricks or, you know, I have learned a little bit about classroom management, whatever it was. And part of that journey of continuing to learn how to stand and take risks is to try one thing at a time. So over the course of 10 years, I've learned that every year there's going to be something that I want to improve on. And so for that year, I focus on that thing that particular thing. So my second year it was classroom management. My first my third year, it was all about um high quality tier one instruction. Right. The next year I was just trying to survive again. Uh no, I was honestly learning a lot about how to manage um difficult behaviors and things like obs op- like um what's it called? Uh obstinate defiant op- obstinate defiant disorder. Um, thing, you know, I was learning how to work with students who had, um, who had this diagnosis and in things like that. And so that was, a, so I was learning to, to work with that. The next year, I really focused on building relationships. And, you know, so that's just to tell you that each year, there's kind of something that I've focused on, but I don't focus on fixing everything all at once. Because in my first year, I learned that I didn't have classroom management. I, I needed to work on my delivery of instruction. I needed time management. I needed organization. I needed so many things that I was trying to fix all of it at once. And it was just overwhelming to the point where I thought I can't fix any of it. So moving forward, I decided I'm going to focus on one thing at a time and learn that one thing and master that get really good at that, you know, become, you know, a master in that area, so to say. And move on to the next thing from there. So that's one of the things I learned um, was important, you know, in my, in my journey is to uh, focus on one thing at a time. Now, some other things that I've learned is that it's most important to build relationships with students and families. I mean, that is a huge key to unlocking, you know, um, you know, buy in from families, support from families. It's, it's a way to, you know, when you have a solid relationship with a student, they're more likely to learn from you because they respect you. They trust you. They like you. So not that the goal is to be liked, but they will. And so building those healthy relationships with, with students and families, quite frankly, outweighs our best day of teaching because we can teach, we can, teach our butts off. And we can be the best teacher in the world, but guess what? We can also be the biggest jerk in the world at the same time. And quite frankly, I care more about you being a person of integrity and and of high quality character and being the best human possible for your students. Then I want you to improve on your practice in teaching. And this is one of my this has become one of my philosophies. In my, I think it was like my sixth year of teaching, I decided I'm not giving homework anymore. I only ask that you read for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long you'd like, at least 20, and that you practice some multiplication and and division because that's the big standard that we were hitting that year. So I asked, that was simple. You know, I said it shouldn't take you more than 30 minutes. I said, but I'm not giving you homework pages to go do. And there's a lot of reasons why I kind of stopped. Number 1, I wasn't seeing any benefit from it. In years past, students that did it and did it correctly, I realized, well, why am I giving them extra homework if they if they know how to do it? Why do why am I giving them extra to do? And then if they don't know how to do it and I'm giving them homework and they don't know how to do it and they go home and do it incorrectly, then we're reinforcing incorrect steps and, and all this. And then I thought, I you know, I thought about the feedback I was getting from parents when they would say, oh, we sit and do homework for two hours every night because it turns into such an argument and a fight between, well, this is the way I learned it and no, this is the way our teacher wants us to learn it. And so it became this, it, I looked at it as number one, it's not helping. It's not engaging students. If they know it already, it's not engaging them to learn the content on a higher level. And if they don't know it, it's not helping them at all. And it's just causing stress between students and their parents or, or their families. And so I decided, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cut homework entirely. Because I learned that it doesn't increase student achievement. If they know, like I said, if they know the content already, a worksheet sent home is not going to enrich their understanding. And if they don't know the content, then they will practice it incorrectly. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, kids have been at school for six hours, some longer, some maybe a little shorter, but at least six hours on average. And then what? They're expected to go home and then, like their parents say, do homework for two hours. That's eight hours a day of being a student. Our students are more than just students. I've learned that students are so much more than just the student that sits in your classroom. They are athletes. They are farmers. They are, you know, cooks. They are, you know, they, they love... Music, they're musicians, they're artists, they're, they're, you know, ballet dancers or whatever. Our students are so much more than just that person in the room. And we have to make time for students to be those things outside of school. And so that's just one, one reason why I stopped giving homework or a couple reasons, I guess, why I stopped giving homework. But ultimately, I learned it doesn't lead to student achievement. At least it wasn't for me. So, I stopped giving homework altogether. Some more things that I've learned. Uh, I learned to stop yelling and punishing kids. So, I was that first year teacher that didn't know what to do. So, I just yelled. And even in my second and third year, it was like, if I was mad, it was like, oh, today I yelled. Like, I wore, like, dude, that's not a badge of honor. Like, so I realized in my fourth year of teaching that you know what yelling is not effective because some kids are just getting a rise out of that and they just want to see me yell they they get pleasure out of that like it's enjoyable to them or i'm causing trauma for kids who may not come from a household where yelling is the norm and so it really made me step back and say you know what no matter What happens? I'm going to do my absolute best not to yell, not use my teacher voice. I didn't say that. Like, I can use a teach, a firm teacher voice if I need to, but I'm not going to scream and yell at a kid because I realize that some kids do come from households where that's the norm and it may not even phase them or it may trigger some things. Right. So, we're either rehashing trauma or we may be triggering new trauma or whatever the case may be but it's yelling is just not effective at all it never is even in, even with adults like screaming matches lead to nothing and so students should have a safe adult who can discipline them not punish them and there's a difference between discipline and punishment when you're screaming at a kid you're seeking to punish and control but when you discipline you teach That's what discipline means. It means to teach. And so disciplining a child might mean that I'm going to teach them right from wrong in this moment where they may have made a wrong decision. I'm going to use it as a teaching moment. And there may be a consequence for that still, but you're still disciplining in the sense that you are teaching them so that they won't make those same mistakes next time, so that they will make the right choices next time. So I've learned to kind of keep my cool and not punish kids, and I've learned to stop yelling at kids. Um, and uh so that's that's been really helpful <laughs> for the culture of my classroom and and just for my overall uh sort of mental health. Um ultimately what I've learned, school should be a place that everyone loves to be at. Plain and simple. Teachers, principals students, families, everyone. I believe that school should be that place. I don't believe that fun and learning are separate from each other. I believe that fun and learning should walk hand in hand. I hope, In my book, A Place They Love, I, in fact, I have a whole chapter called Sorry, Fun Friday's Over. But it's about making everyday fun because sometimes Mondays suck. And if the world falls apart, it's guaranteed to fall apart on a Thursday. So I need fun on Monday and Thursday just as much as I need it on Friday. So why can't our students have that same kind of fun? Because their my Friday or my Thursday might be their Tuesday, and my Monday might be their Wednesday. So why can't we have fun every single day in some way, shape, or form? Whether that's fun, brain breaks, uh, fun you know, uh, hands-on activities, fun gamification. You know, gamified activities and lessons, Um, going outside and playing with your students at recess, turning music on to listen to and and analyze or or even just to enjoy. There should be some sort of fun element every single day in our classroom, because if we if our students got to go to school for 12 years it might as well be a place they love, right? If we're going to make a career out of teaching, it might as well be a place we love too. And I really believe that we need to do all that we are capable of doing to make school a place that everyone loves. You know, taking every opportunity to incorporate some sort of fun way to deliver a lesson or give, a, even to give an assessment. Assessments can be fun. I've given assessments where kids recorded podcasts or made artwork, or found uh, images from magazines, and you know, cut them out and glued them onto a certain page. You know, is a lot to explain beyond that. But a set, even assessments can be fun if we apply it, right? If we apply that fun element to it. So those are just a few things, just a few things that I've learned. I've learned a lot, but I don't want to ramble too long, and and I want to wrap up here anyway by talking about some goals some goals for the future so one of my goals is to continue to hone in my skills as a reading interventionist so uh back in 2000 it was 2021 uh in in november 2021 i became a title one reading interventionist at a small elementary school in albuquerque and i absolutely love what i do i absolutely love it um very passionate about reading and reading intervention, and this, you know, the science of reading and making sure that I can do all that I can so that my kids um, develop a sense of a love for reading, not just the ability to read, but a love for reading and so i want to continue to to build my craft through that and i'm going to keep keep doing that through going to monthly title I intervention uh trainings i'm going to uh but this year i also want to see if i can collaborate more with the interventionists at my school we did a we did a pretty decent job this year but i would like to see if i could do that a little bit more um i also want to include more gamification as a reading interventionist so i did something new this, well, it would, you're listening to this in August. So this would have been back in the last school year. So what I did was I created an obstacle course where students had to um, sound out words, you know, words as they ran through the obstacle course and um, make the sounds and then blend the word together. Right. And so it was a lot of fun. I've done things now with a buzzer where it's like the first person to buzz in with the correct answer, you know, the correct spelling you know, something as simple as a buzzer, right? Just ups the ante a little bit, right? So I've been trying to incorporate more gamification. I would like to do, uh, take that to kind of a whole other level this next year. So um, I'm going to really look to gamify my my classroom in the next next year. This this year actually, this year, uh, 23 24 school year. So, um, and. The other thing that I'm excited about is to continue to give professional development surrounding my book, A Place They Love. This past summer, I had the, pre- the opportunity to present six workshops during a principals conference to um, just around 100, 100 principals or so. There was about 200 in total, so about half of them heard my presentation, and it was, it was a great opportunity to make connections, um, all principals within the district right nobody outside is just all principals within the district so i'm excited that my book is um you know getting some recognition within the district and kind of getting the message and the heart out there of the book right that's what i'm all about is getting the message of the book into schools and classrooms so i'm doing my best to uh kind of reach as many uh, teachers and principals and schools as I can here in the district by uh, by offering that PD. So if you're interested in that PD, reach out to me and we'll figure out how we can kind of make that happen for you and your school. So, uh, so to sum it up, I've learned quite a bit uh, and I've grown tremendously over the last 10 years. And, you know, I'm really proud of this moment. I'm really proud uh, to say I'm a teacher and uh, to say that I've walked in the footsteps of of my family who were teachers. And so um, I'm excited to see where this journey takes me. So I want to thank you for tuning into this podcast episode. And if you liked what you heard, I'd appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app and be sure to check out previous episodes and follow the show on your podcast platform to get updates when a new episode drops. And don't forget, you can also listen to the show on my website, which is shutupandteachedu.com as well as the Teach Better Podcast Network, teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. So I want to thank you again for joining me on this episode. I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the shut up and teach podcast. I hope that you'll check out previous episodes and I hope that you'll share this with a friend or a colleague.